Hello there, and welcome to the Anniversary Brothers Podcast, the podcast where we talk about the anniversaries of your favorite TV shows and movies. I am your host, Josh Sarnecki, and I am joined, as usual, by my co-host and brother, Aaron. Aaron, say hi. Hey. Hey, how's it going? Uh, it's going all right. Um, I, I, I'm in Halloween mode, even though I haven't done any Halloween stuff yet. I watched a movie yesterday that had Halloween in it, which I wasn't expecting. And um, apparently Halloween in 1903 was very different where you were supposed to throw flour in your neighbor's face. I don't don't know. Oh, I mean, of course. I mean, what what a time-honored tradition of just assaulting your neighbor with flour. Yeah. But we are not here to talk about Halloween, although parts of this could be kind of Halloween adjacent with some of the... uh, some of the makeup costumes. work and yeah. Some of the costumes. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I was thinking about this. We've, we've talked about uh, a pretty wide variety of movies this year, although we definitely have been on a bit of a Disney kick this year, talking about Hercules and Bambi yeah. and Lilo and Stitch. Um, yeah. And, and snow, snow dogs and, and snow dogs. Yes. Um, and so, you know, just keeping with the Disney theme, we're going for something completely different. Right. Uh, so today, sometimes you just need to make a complete left turn. Yes, yes. Well, this is definitely into the corn, wide. cornfield. Yes, yes. This is and way that's out not, of that's not field. an interstellar reference. We're not talking about interstellar. <laughs> no, not yet. Maybe in a few years. Yeah. Uh, no, we're going to be talking about the anniversary of Cloud Atlas, the, the film which came out in 2012 um, based off of the book that came out in. Uh, 2004 so yeah it's definitely a little bit of a departure from the kind of movies we have talked about more recently but i'm excited Mm -hmm. to discuss this one um yeah i guess going into it aaron uh was this your first time watching this no i had seen it before that was one of the reasons why i recommended it because i had seen it okay okay when did you see it I saw it in college. I want to say it was my junior year of college um, at uh, Rowan University when they were showing uh, different films recently out of theaters. Um, I remember having a a friend who was really excited for it. Um, I have no clue whether or not he liked it. I'm assuming (laughs) he did, but again, I don't even know. (laughs) I I hope so. Uh, But yeah, that would... That timing would uh, pan out because yeah, it was released um, in October 2012. Yeah. Um, so yeah, when we were both starting our, our junior year, um, you at Rowan, me at UD. Yeah. Um, okay. So saw it back then, and let me ask, like, when you left the screening, we we're just like, well, that was weird. Um, I mostly just didn't know how I was supposed to feel like mm-hmm. what was it all about i don't think uh, there were definitely parts that i was confused about that made a little more sense this time around mm-hmm. but yeah and, and part of me is i think i was sort of i was especially at that age where i'm like i'm just going to ride the wave of whatever um people are saying so like um people were crapping on like george lucas specifically for like the star wars prequels pretty heavily during that uh period like in the online discourse 
and like the same with the Wachowskis after uh, the second two Matrix movies. And then like people were making fun of them for uh, Speed Racer, which I, I would later is like now everybody's like favorite movie. I was going to say, but, but like, I was just like, I, I, I kind of went in as like, it's not going to be good. They're, they, they've lost their mojo. Yeah. I mean, that, that, I think that's really important to note that coming in, uh, the Wachowskis had really had this very strange trajectory where like came in with the matrix and like blew people's minds. And then after that, very, like diminishing returns you know in some ways like a like a Shyamalan-esque I was gonna say it happens it happens a lot um and I I actually feel like if you look at like other directors like um Colin Trevero who did I think it was like Safety Not Guaranteed which just like Mm -hmm. this little indie movie and then he directed Jurassic World and like sort of like everyone's like you know what he's not a good director yeah. Or, or, or like, or like Josh Trank, who di- uh, directed the uh, Fantastic Four reboot. No, I think he directed the, the new Prey Predator movie. I think that was him. Oh. So I, he might be a resurgence. But anyway, like sometimes, you know, directors, like they just set themselves up with what they've done and then being able to, you know, be consistent becomes a real difficulty right yeah but but certainly coming into i mean of course if you even subscribe to the whole like the director is the the main person in front of you know a movie if if you don't subscribe to our tour theory and it's just like listen like the director is just one part of the team then like some of the blame can kind of be like it's everybody's fault or it's just it was never a good project to begin with yeah i mean I think you can make that argument a little bit more with Cloud Atlas because right, the Wachowskis wrote and directed. Right, but they also co-directed with um, it's like it's like Tom Tyker. Tom, yeah, Tyker. I think Tyker. I'm I think probably he's, butchering I think he's his like name. a German director. Maybe? He is. Yeah, he's a German director. He, he, yeah, he's known for uh, Run Lola Run, which I've not seen, but I know is a an experimental sort of thriller movie. Something about like. Um, this woman has to like has so much time to like save her boyfriend or something but it has like time travel or something in it oh interesting i yeah not familiar with that one um interesting yeah i i know he was also involved with uh sense eight which was a a netflix show um but yeah so it is definitely you know not just a, a wachowski film it is also um Tom Twiker, Twik. I'm gonna keep just <laughs> changing my pronunciation of his name until I get it right. Or Tom T. Tom T. There we go. T T. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it is fair to like kind of put more responsibility on them because they did write and direct it. Um, right. No, I think you're you're right to say that, like coming into this movie, there was definitely a bit of a narrative of like not one hit wonderness exactly, but like. They, they struck gold their first time. And then after that, it just got less and less compelling. Mm-hmm. Although, as you said, some people, you know, swear by Speed Racer. I know um, alum of the site, uh, Matt Nando Kelly is in love with that movie. Yeah. Um, okay. But yeah, so it sounds like you came out and you're like, 
okay well that was a movie yeah um yeah do you remember was like anything you liked in particular the first time you saw it um you see it's so it's so long ago i mean sometimes i remember um i probably just thought that the movie was really long <laughs> but i know that's not really a compliment um i remember that i don't know the 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 whole neo soul part was really creepy to me which i guess mm. was the the goal so yeah yes they they did strike that that goal and uh also that definitely i think is the part of the movie where you most see uh the matrix yeah uh, definitely you know influence there but so it's it's interesting that we're talking about this where you've seen the movie because we're kind of coming in from very different angles where technically i watched this for the first time for this podcast the other day Mm -hmm. but i did read the book several years ago Mm -hmm. Um, and I've been meaning to watch this, um, for some time now. I read the, the book in the summer of 2016, right after I graduated from grad school and was living up in Rhode Island. Props to you for remembering. (laughs) Yeah. No, I remember like sitting in like my little, uh, studio apartment in Providence, Rhode Island and reading like, what is going on with this book? This is weird. Um, but enjoying it overall. Um, and it was a book that, um, mm-hmm. my then girlfriend, now wife, Bree had, um, read and given me a copy of, cause she thought right. I might enjoy it, which right. I did. I, I really enjoyed right. the book. And so I came in with, but, but that being said, it is a difficult book. I was just talking to yes. our dad and he said he like, could not get, get through it. Yes, it, it is. It is a difficult book. And that is one of the main reasons why, um, coming into this adaptation of the book into the film there was a sense that this book is not adaptable like you cannot turn this into a movie right i find that interesting but like i mean i i haven't read the book so i I, it's it's funny it's like you asked me what was my first impression and i've asked you what your first impression is and i can't be like what was your second impression because your first you only seen (laughs) yeah Yeah, what's your first impression as somebody who's read the book yeah so my first i i have to admit like because it's been uh you know almost yeah six years since i've i read the book my my memory of it wasn't great uh, but from what I remember, it felt like a really faithful adaptation and one mm-hmm. that I think worked. They certainly changed the structure of it, um, less kind of like a like a nesting doll um, mm-hmm. approach, and more kind of like kind of bouncing back and forth um, and kind of like trying to keep them all along the same path. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, because I find it interesting that this was sort of made when the trend was sort of sort of starting to become that if you had a really massive book, that you made it into a TV show and not a movie. But like, I'm not sure if this story really lends itself to a TV show, because I think that the different storylines very much uh 
lend themselves to the the language of film and sort of the way that it's all intercut together mm-hmm. to sort of create you know meaning you know you know have a montage that you can do in a show but like I feel like it just would not really work because other people will probably be like, oh, well, then do you, if you do it a show, just have one episode be one storyline and one storyline be, you know, you know what I mean? Like have yeah. one storyline each episode, but like somehow the interconnectedness is more apparent in the way it's done in a movie. There's actually, um, I haven't seen it. Um, there's this movie, the silent movie called Intolerance from like 1917 um, that has like four different storylines oh. that um, it's like uh, Babylon, uh, like Jesus, like a modern day one. And I think like the French Revolution and they're like intercut like the same way. So basically this movie had already been a movie like this had already been made 95 years before um and just without tom hanks just without tom hanks but like um and like at least for that movie people now consider that movie to be a masterpiece (laughs) yeah and we should say when it comes to this movie cloud atlas uh, at the time, opinions were very divided, and I'd say they still are very yeah, divided. Yeah. Um, um, where it was on both some of the best of movies list mm-hmm. of that year, as well as some of the worst of. Right. Uh, even like try- just trying to explain the plot, which we usually do, it's it's hard, very hard. I would say that you you have to say that it's about reincarnation how these uh, different, you know, souls, I guess, are reborn and keep meeting each other in different lifetimes. So one is like, uh, like aboard a slave ship in the Pacific. One is like uh, in the seventies, it's like some sort of conspiracy thriller. Uh, one is like in futuristic, uh, uh Seoul Korea like one is again in the Pacific but it's like even more in the future yeah um but the, like all these these people they keep meeting in different ways so the same actors are used right yeah um and you you, you did hit most of them I will say yeah you, I was like you, I knew I forgot one or that's two. okay no you you missed two you missed um England in the 1930s. Yeah. Um, with the whole um, Ben Wishaw's character trying to become like a famous composer. Right. Um, and then London in 2012 um, with Jim Broadbent um, kind of being, <laughs> I don't know, that was, that was the, the weirdest in my opinion. And it's, yeah, we'll definitely talk about which were our favorites and which were our least favorites. Yeah. Yeah. That one's, while him in like a involuntary nursing home yeah um yeah so it's a it's it's a lot but yeah you're right it is primarily about how these characters or these versions of the characters keep 
repeating through different lifetimes um, and how it changes through each. Like there's some um, sense of like repetition or like, oh, like, look, like these people seem to be like destined to be connected. But then there's also this sense of things tend to be flipped on their heads where sometimes someone who was in a position of power is then reduced Mm -hmm. to, you know, a position of um, servitude or or lack of power. Right. Um, It is a very, like, they did it the way that made the most sense for the story because my understanding of reincarnation, um, I think at least in like the Hindu faith, you could be reincarnated into like an animal which they didn't do in that in this because that would be too confusing yeah and i i don't think from from my understanding of the book or the movie they were necessarily going for like a specific um religion or spirituality's view of reincarnation just as much as like playing with the concept right um so it's yeah i mean (laughs) <laughs> there's there's a lot going on but the, we should say that one of the ways that the movie plays with that or kind of helps you keep track of well how are these souls or how are these you know characters moving from life to life is that they're played by the same actors or in different um in the different eras so oh yeah have- i mean if you didn't know that i mean it would be impossible to like know well, I mean, I wouldn't say impossible because they they also show that they all seem to share the same birthmark, which is looks like a shooting star. Yes, so there there is that. Um, but that, that, of course, doesn't tell you who each individual character is, just that they're connected. Yes. Yeah. I will and, say, and of though, course, I'll get, I'll get into that because that... that confuses me in some ways um what what which confuses you oh just that so uh, some of these characters have this birthmark which would seem to indicate like okay they're gonna like get reincarnated but like not everybody has that birthmark so like ben wishaw's character has that birthmark in the london uh, storyline but like his lover uh, Sixsmith he doesn't have the birthmark but we see him uh, reincarnated later in other storylines so like what's the significance of it right uh, <laughs> you know it's, it's hard to say uh, <laughs> honestly yeah. I, I think it's just kind of a, a weird little uh twist it like hey look they're all connected because yeah i mean later we see that um hallie berry's character in uh, the 1970 uh, san francisco section that she also has the the birthmark and right um yes yeah. so yeah and like tom hanks has it like on the back of his head or something like that right so it uh, there's not i mean really any sitting there rhyme or reason that i can tell about why <laughs> some have it and some don't and like it, why it keeps flipping um the well actually that's not true i think it is whoever has it is like the like the protagonist of that era huh. i didn't think about it that one um 
He's definitely Ben Wishaw is the protagonist of the London one. Uh, mm-hmm. Halle Berry is of the San Francisco. Um, I know uh, San Mi in Neo Soul has it. Uh-huh. So yeah, I, I think it's uh, whoever has it is our main character. That that makes sense. Uh, yeah. Other than that, no, it is. It is. It is important to know that you know these are the same actors in each era, um, mm-hmm. because honestly, that's something that the book I think doesn't really make clear. Oh, yeah, like you you don't get the sense that like you're supposed to know, but like you can't tell who was supposed to be who. You're supposed to know or you're supposed to figure it out, but it doesn't hit you over the head the same way. Well, it's, it's like, like, how can you describe what they like they look like? And of course, um, you can only go into so unless they have full illustrations of what every you know single main character looks like in the book. Which... Right. Yeah. Whereas, okay, we all know what Tom Hanks looks like. You know, you yeah. can give him a, a weird haircut and a strange beard, but we still know it's Tom Hanks. Right. And, and boy, does he have some weird hairdos in this movie. Right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so going through the, the six storylines, um, so we do have the, the Pacific Islands uh, in 1840s where we have Jim Sturgis' character um, kind of working out uh his own like morality about um slavery Mm -hmm. uh and kind of this whole plot to maybe uh kill him on the the ship that they're traveling back to Mm -hmm. uh, england on um once again we mentioned um ben wishaw's character trying to become a composer halle berry's character in the 70s trying to um kind of crack a story about mm-hmm. a um nuclear power company mm-hmm. um yeah jim broadbent in 2012 london yeah involuntarily uh entered into a nursing home he's trying to break free from uh and uh doing a base character in neo soul trying to escape from this kind of dystopian society she's in mm-hmm. uh, and then finally uh, Tom Hanks in the the far future after um, kind of post-apocalypse mm-hmm. where it seems like he is uh, not exactly sure what I would describe his I guess he's, he's helping Halle Berry's character in that mm-hmm. um, setting try to discover um, mysteries about their civilization right Right. So I, I have some opinions right off the bat. Do you want to hear them? Yeah, no. Yeah. Okay. The hot takes. So this one won't surprise you. The worst mm. storyline is this is this is the nursing home storyline. That's by far the worst <laughs> storyline. It is the most inconsequential, the most like this feel like it doesn't deserve to be in the movie. <laughs> um the, yeah. And I feel like it's not like you can't have like a low stakes, funny storyline. It's just, it was one of the ones I felt myself forgetting the most about. Oh, and and I think that's fair. I think the film forgets about it. Um, And then the second worst storyline is uh, the the ship one with Jim Sturgis and Tom Hanks poisoning him. Because it's just so horribly cliche and in in my opinion, somewhat offensive with like its sort of noble savage uh, stereotype mm. that it uses. Uh, yeah. The, the uh, runaway slave. 
Yeah, well, that would not be the only thing in this movie that's a bit uh, offensive in in, in ways, and I'm sure we will get into that. Mm -hmm. Um, I would definitely agree that the whole, yeah, nursing home thing with uh, broadband is, the film just doesn't seem like it really cares about it. Like, it's, it's, it feels like it's mostly included just to ride some levity because yeah, like the stakes are so much lower than in everything else. And it's just so much over the, so much more over the top than everything else. I mean, we have Hugo weaving as a female nurse going through and like, right. Which is, which the thing is we're talking about controversy. And one of the things that sort of just really strikes me as odd is that, the movie seems to kind of poke fun that like he's a man dressed in woman's clothing when both of the directors are transgender, which I just is a very weird um, sort of cognitive distance. I don't know if they were aware of that or. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Cause they're, I think you can see, you know, some, um, th- there is like some nature of like, okay, reincarnation is kind of like, fitting in with the um i don't know kind of their identity um as as trans women are yeah uh, I, I guess at the time only one of the siblings identified as trans yeah um but yeah that that does seem a bit incongruous because it, it does seem like it's kind of played up for right i mean jokes. i mean they're there i mean i don't want to question you know i mean that's all you know internalized with them and stuff like that but i just it just it does strike me as a little odd i think also there was a mild controversy um particularly i think with the trying to make the white characters look like other races they did it with the you know character characters of color trying to make them look white also and so forth but like particularly trying to make uh like jim sturgis look korean which yeah. did not work for some people. Okay, and and I'm glad you mentioned that because for me that, that was the, I think the biggest controversy that I read about and that I kind of felt like the thing that gave me the biggest ick. Right, feeling. but like I, I, at, at, the, at the same time, I understand like it's not coming from like, it's not being used in like the way that that sort of, you know, yellow face or what they would call it back in the day was used you know in old time hollywood it's like used because all the characters are switching races and you know gender and stuff like that but even then just because it has that negative you know association you sort of just can't separate it from what it's supposed to be yeah yeah, I don't know. I and I guess maybe to, to jump into that while we're here. Um, I, I don't think it works. Uh, I like mean, also, I, it just the effect is bad. It does not look no. good. It looks it looks really bad in all of the Neo Soul stuff, like especially with Jim Sturgis, but also um, with Hugo Weaving. Um, and I think it also works pretty bad um, in the... Uh, the Pacific Islands version when we have uh, Duna Bay playing uh, Jim Sturgis's wife. Right, right, yeah. Um, but that, I mean, that I think just the makeup or the effects don't work great, but mm-hmm. definitely like 
the, yeah, like trying to, um, yeah, engage in this 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 practice that's been referred to as yellow face is is just really uncomfortable, right. and and right. I think something that they should have realized was going to like strike controversy and was right. best to avoid. Right, and and it's sort of just like it is an interesting idea, just like people have an they have the same face, but like it's a different, you know, racial there it's like slight differences but like again it's it's just it's too difficult i don't know what the alternative really would have been if i don't know they all had their own individual birthmark or something well and and that's what i was wondering to be is i while i appreciate that it's clearer in this movie that there are like you know this uh these like uh, this reincarnation process and these are the same characters going through and in some ways having it be so clearly like yes this is the same actor it seems a little handholdy it, um, it does it is also sort of like a very literal interpretation of reincarnation but again i mean it's whatever the movie decided yeah, yeah but no i i do wonder like if, would there have been another way to kind of communicate the whole um you know continuation of souls like whether it's like by yeah like a specific birthmark or i don't know like eye color like if someone has like purple eyes or something <laughs> okay. i don't know that's that's yeah I yeah but yeah i also i i want to say that with the a storyline that i didn't like the first time i saw it but i liked it a little more was sort of the um I guess post-apocalyptic storyline with mm. Tom Hanks and Halle Berry, where they're on the uh, the futuristic island or whatever. Yeah, it's just it's also the one I think that visually looks the best. I mm. think it is like visually, it's one of the most beautiful, um, like photography-wise. But it's also the hardest to understand because of this. Uh, sort of dialect that they've created that um all the inhabitants use which i'm not even sure it's it is kind of english but they they just have like different words for things the ones that everyone always makes fun of is how much they say true true which is just like supposed to mean like the truth i yes. had after this my friends and they were always like are you speaking the true true <laughs> um yeah i mean try reading the book i mean that's like the entire section is just that that and the fact that like hubo weaving is like this weird mad hatter with uh, like green skin and see that's where i I think that doesn't work he's like in that he's supposed to be like this georgie like yeah like some which first of all i just kept on thinking about like it uh (laughs) It's like, well, you'll float too. Um, <laughs> but no, it's like he's supposed to be like some like devil-esque character, um, which kind of like breaks the whole idea of reincarnation. Because like, yes, he's in this storyline, but is he he's just a hallucination of Tom Hanks? Yeah, right? that is that is true. Um or like he say- it, but is he? Because like they seem to imply that certain elements of magic work because Susan Sarandon's character is some sort of witch who can see the future. 
that's true. And I, I have and to I make... totally forgot Susan Sarandon was in. I was like, wait, Susan Sarandon's in this movie? Oh, I have to admit, I embarrassingly did not realize that was Susan Sarandon. I thought it was Sigourney Weaver. Oh, okay. Hmm. I don't yeah. know. I felt bad about that. <laughs> like, oh, crap. Sorry. Um, yeah, I'm not. Yeah, Honestly, but... this is more of a movie that Sigourney Weaver would be in than because she's been in science fiction. And I would, this does not seem like a Susan Sarandon movie in the slightest. Yeah. I mean, she doesn't do too, too much in it. Um, no, she's definitely a, a minor character. Yeah. But it's, yeah, I don't know. The, the whole language section or language part of the the last um post-apocalyptic storyline is kind of just <laughs> annoying and, and like i'm assuming that the book doesn't really explain well i like apparently i learned a little bit just reading it's supposed to be in like hawaii or somewhere yeah um which is not really explained in the movie but it's also strange how the again things are sort of split racially how like all the people living on the island apparently are white who live in like the more primitive society. And then you have the futuristic society, which seems to be all black people. Yeah, I don't But, but I'm, like, I'm I, sure I, I'm, I'm assuming that's not explained in the book. <laughs> they're just like, no, they're, 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 I don't know if that was like in some ways supposed to like flip stereotypes or what exactly the what they were aiming for in that yeah i can't remember if the of course like the white society is you know drawing a lot of polynesian influence right which once again i think you know we can get into some more kind of like uh sort of problematic yeah yeah problematic like um kind of turning you know yeah presenting tom Hanks as polynesian is not you know yeah great um so yeah, I know. I think it's the the movie makes some weird choices, but they do it. I think clearly because they they want to try to establish a through line. Um, although I find it funny that the biggest through line I noticed was just that Hugo Weaving's always a bad person, uh, <laughs> no, no matter what era. Somehow that just clicks. Yeah, no, no matter what, You're like he's either like this terrible, like, uh, like, uh, you know rich man like who's who's enslaving africans or he's you know this hitman or he's like literally the devil it's like okay good good for you hugo weaving right um i mean as far as like standout performances i don't is there one i think um the one that probably felt the most genuine to me was probably Ben Whishaw in the London one. Oh yeah, I really, I really. I think like it just it felt the it felt very lived in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I I think so. I uh, and and I think that also just had a. The, I mean, one of the things that's that's interesting about this movie is like how it plays with genre, and I think the genre for that one, um, it it kind of strikes more because it is the most dramatic of them mm-hmm. um like definitely like not to say there's there's not drama in the other ones but definitely we have more like sci-fi or kind of like uh absurd humor or uh like mystery noir kind of stuff going on and some of the mm-hmm. other ones but it's it's really you know this this 
idea of you know Ben Wishaw um, going and trying to um, you know, make his his fortune and, and fame, but we already know from the very beginning that he's going to uh, you know attempt suicide, mm-hmm. um, which I will say I, I didn't particularly like how the movie starts where it's um, first it gives you like Tom Hanks like kind of giving a little hey I'm gonna tell a story now yeah um, but it, like it does show you some like things that are about to come in ways that I thought like kind of spoiled it um uh yeah I guess that is true because I don't know like for for the whole I, I, yeah oh, sorry I was gonna say for like the whole like part with Ben Wishaw in London like we we know like he's going to hit rock bottom mm-hmm, and we right. you know he's going to at least consider right um killing himself even the way that the son me story in neo soul is structured is we've already seen her being captured right it would have been more interesting if they didn't show us that and it also just sort of like in addition to showing us multiple storylines you're showing us like flashbacks it's just like stop you could have made this simpler right yeah and and that's the thing is that the, the movie overcomplicates it like where if they had just gone you know bouncing back and forth between the stories mm-hmm. but keeping it somewhat linear within the story right. itself right that would have worked right it's, it's it's smart obviously in the beginning that it shows them in chronological order yeah. well i mean besides tom hanks being like the storyteller then it goes in chronological order yeah and it but, actually gives you a date which is helpful that that is helpful. <laughs> Date in a place. Yeah, yeah. Always appreciate when a movie tells me where I am and when I am. It, it, it's like Captain America: Civil War, where they just put the city in big letters on the screen. You know, I appreciate. <laughs> I, you know, you got to know when you're in Cleveland. You know, otherwise it's very confusing. <laughs> it's like, how did I end up here? Uh, are the Browns winning? Probably not. Um, but no, it. I I think the the way the story is structured. They, they could have simplified it a little bit and you wouldn't have gone in like this sense of like, well, I know where this is going. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you, because you do have hints about the connections between them. And, and this part from the, um, the book that they kept that I really like is you have the different characters in each era um, interacting with um, the, like the written works or the- um, yeah like the film or, you know, something, some artifacts from the previous era. Um, and that's how you see the connection there. So right. I'd like somehow, how you have, no, so good. You like that. Somehow that still irritated me with the stupid Jim Broadbent one where he's like a movie or something. And I, there's also this like courtroom scene with Tom Hanks, which is, I'm not sure if it's part of it where he storms out and he has very bad hair and makeup which yeah. is pretty much just indicative of pretty much most of Tom Hanks in this movie. <laughs> yeah. So it, it doesn't work all the time. I think it works really well in the transition between um, 1930s London and 1970s San Francisco, where you have Six Myth, that yeah. uh, character played by uh, James D'Arcy. Yeah, by James D'Arcy. Like, one, you have him coming back in both. And I think that's right. the only time we have someone playing both a young and old version of the same character. Um, but you also have him reading the letters from mm-hmm. Ben Wishaw's character. And then after that, um, Halle Berry 
uh, mm-hmm. and gains possession of those letters. And I think that works really well as kind of a connective tissue. Right. right. I thought you were going to talk because there's also in that storyline. Uh, Halle Berry listens to the song that mm-hmm. um, whatever Ben Wishaw's character's name that the 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 Cloud Atlas sextet. She yes. finds it in a record store. Yes, I think that works really well. I, I think that's another good one. I, I like the connection between there. And there I think are one, there are other ones that are weird that like, mm-hmm. um, so uh, Jim Broadbent's character, when he's like mentoring uh, Ben Wishaw, he like talks about, he has like this dream about the Neo soul where like all the waitresses have the same face which of course i'm not sure is talking about the fact that they're clones or just the fact that he's racist i know that's what I thought. <laughs> I thought the same thing it's like okay great old white man can't tell people can't tell you know people's faces apart great um yeah but like the fact that he has that as a dream i'm like what does that mean right i thought it works better in, in that segment having um ben Wishall like reading the journal of oh yeah um, jim sturge's character and then like losing half of it um or finding out that the other half of it was well i mean we he Mm -hmm. doesn't find it but we find out it was like holding Mm -hmm. up the one of the legs of the bed i like the i like how he says that like a half finished story is like a half finished love affair i don't know that's just a very memorable line it was there's something like if there's like a book that you were really invested in or it could be a movie or tv show and like you just lost it yeah. I couldn't find it again. I mean, like now that wouldn't really happen because you kind of have immediate access to anything unless it was like this rare, you know, artifact that you have found like that. Yeah. But like, I still think it's the idea that you sort of form a relationship with like a story. Right. No, I, I think that's, that's, you know, definitely a, a sentiment. And I think, you know, those, there's sentiments like that, like the movie does really well. Um, like it, it talks really well about like the nature of storytelling and just like the power of relationships and connections between mm-hmm. other people. Right. Um, and it makes like really beautiful um, commentary about that. Right. Um, but as I said at the beginning, I'm just not sure what exactly, like what is the ultimate purpose I mean, maybe that's just, you're not supposed to know. That's the mystery of life of what is the ultimate purpose of all these people, you know, reincarnating, you know, yeah. why are they there? Why that there is no definitive answer. Yeah. And and I will say that was a similar reaction I had after I read the book. It's like, okay, what am I supposed to take away from this? And I will say, watching the movie now i i feel like i have like some inkling of it but i i do think there's not supposed to be a definitive like meaning but if if i were to read into one i would say there there does seem to be like a something be said about like kind of the the moral arc of the universe like because we have like in in many of these um segments like we have people in positions where they are um, being enslaved or where they are being um, kind of persecuted because of mm-hmm. the way they look or the people they love or, or um, some other aspects of the personalities. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, seeing that like this type of prejudice and persecution is, you know, 
constantly coming up and constantly mm-hmm. being, you know, overcome uh, until, you know, we get to the end. And it's still not exactly overcome, but we see, you know, in this post-apocalyptic society that like by the end, you know, Halle Berry and Tom Hanks's peoples, mm-hmm. um, while the remaining peoples from them are able to coexist mm-hmm. um, in a way that we hadn't seen. Right. Um, well, I guess we had seen it in, in some ways in the other ones, but it's right. this idea of like, there's this progression towards uh-huh. um, overcoming injustice. And they, they've advanced so far that they're on some other planet. <laughs> right. And I think that's the other thing is that the, the which, movie which sort of got gave me flashbacks to mass effect <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, and i think that's the other thing the movie's going for is this idea that like what is like humanity and like mm-hmm. and this idea that like the idea of like being human you know transcends the earth and it transcends like what setting you're in mm-hmm. um and transcends labels uh, or you know the kind of artificial barriers we use to distinguish ourselves from other people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, that's not necessarily a message as much as like amusing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. I guess like the whole theme is just like we're all connected. I mean, that's so easy to say, but like, yeah, I, that's it's just one way of conveying it. Just talking about some other storylines. So we talked about how like the Son Me storyline and Soul. It's got some like Matrix vibes, also sort of a early foreshadowing that like you're going to find out what the soap is, which is like the thing that like they all eat or whatever, is when Jim Broadband's character says in the nursing home storyline, he says Soylent Green is people, which is is from that movie Soylent Green, Um, whereas everybody's eating themselves. Right. I thought that was that was a clever little wink. Um, But yeah, um, like I found that storyline very interesting and like kept wanting it to like stick with that storyline because it was like, like I already knew what happened. It just it seemed more interesting than some of the other ones. Um, Yeah. And, And that's the one that the Wachowskis, I think, seem like the most interested in because that's like what they're most familiar with their like sci-fi sensibilities right. i will say the effects feel kind of cartoony at times it, like they, they was like yeah you're not in a real space i can tell that um i mean there were some instances even in the 70s where like tom hanks and halle berry are like standing in front of like the sunset and like it's clearly a green screen yeah and it's just like ooh, that did not look good um i will say about that storyline i actually like that story it's kind of a far-fetched like oh like they're gonna blow up the city to like for oil or something like (laughs) but i i liked how it's very much a callback to the sort of conspiracy theory movies of the 70s Mm. and also like sort of like the black exploitation because you have uh keith david who's basically dressed as shaft in the movie Mm -hmm. Oh, I love Keith David in this movie. I think he's great. And he, he yeah, he's also super cool. Uh, yeah, so, I love his voice. He's got a wonderful yeah. voice. Uh, so I, I, I enjoyed those elements of uh, the story. Yeah, no, I, I did too, and I, I think that section really works. And, and I guess maybe that's one of the 
kind of saving grace of this movie, once again, going back to genres that if you don't like one of the genres or one of the stories, there's, you know, five others that you can <laughs> pull from. So right. maybe you're like, what the heck is going on with, you know, um, mm with Jim Broadbent here. Like, why do I care about this? It's like, oh, wait. It's can... like, he's clear. You like even know from like the beginning that like, he's clearly poisoning him. Yeah. I yeah. will say it, we got some good unlikable Tom Hanks characters, which is like, he doesn't do so often nowadays. <laughs> when, when Tom Hanks just like throws a, a book critic off of a balcony, he's like, whoa, yeah. okay. Oh yeah, this now I remember. A... Yeah, my I think I'm pretty sure my one friend did like that this movie because i remember him really liking that part i think he also just liked that storyline in gen in, in general because i think he liked the part where he called on all the scotsmen to defend him from the english in the pub. oh gosh yeah yeah and and once again that, that, that is where that's gonna tickle some people's fancy oh yeah and, and that's the thing like you you get different um segments that are gonna i think speak more to different people like i think if you are um, I, don't know, I feel like if you're into like the, um, oh, what's his name, Sean Pegg, um, yeah, like that kind of Simon British, Pegg or Simon Pegg, not yes, yes, sorry, I was so thinking of Sean, Sean of the Pegg. Dead. Yeah. I was thinking of Sean of the Dead, and yeah. yes, if you like, kind of like Simon Pegg, like British humor, yeah. um, stuff that I think you're gonna love that section probably. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, certainly, I was more interested in. Uh, Neo Soul and um, mm -hmm. San Francisco and the whole situation in in London. Right. I had this feeling though that they could have turned most of these into good movies in their own right, and it's sort of a shame that they're mashed together. Yeah, that's that's fair. And and going back to your comment of like. Oh, like that Ben Wishaw one definitely could have been a movie. Right. Well, and, and I think once again, going back to your comment of like, oh, like it's kind of weird this wasn't a TV show because that's, that's kind of something they would have done or mm -hmm. and continue to kind of do now. I do think in some ways, maybe this would have worked better as a miniseries because mm -hmm. I, I know you were kind of not. I like, I like the whole, I'm, I, I'm biased because I'm like a film guy and I like the whole language of like movies just speaks more to me. And I feel like it, that's lost in other other art forms. Yeah, I mean that that is fair. However, I think parts of this movie would have benefited from more breathing room. Like mm -hmm. once again, like not to you know kind of continue to harp on how you know good I think this part of the movie is, but the the part with uh, the Ben Wishaw arc mm -hmm. in London, I think works really well, especially because I think um, that Ben Wishaw and uh, James Darcy have really good chemistry, mm -hmm. but we only get to see them in one scene together. Mm -hmm. um, and instead, like it's, it's mostly them communicating through letters where it's mm -hmm. like, ah, I kind of would have liked to see like more of them together. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I think of all the different couples or characters they've got the best chemistry mm -hmm. out of anyone and once again they only share one scene together right so, um if you know series first... could they have more time right um for some reason i got i was just thinking of the jim broadbent character one scene that in his thing that was good is when he's 
he's having sex with the girl and he grabs the cat and it scratches <laughs> <laughs> well that's not even him that's that's a, a flashback yeah i know but that that part was funny <laughs> yeah <laughs> i forgot about that see it and that's no, a- no cats were harmed in the making of this movie I hope not. But but once again, go into like the idea why this movie was so controversial. I think it's because like there is such tonal whiplash. Yeah. Um, because there there is some consistency once again with like the the themes of each and kind of like this sense of like um inequality and kind of mm-hmm. um overcoming that and, and and kind of this coming of justice. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, be- because you have so many genres it's playing with, like tonally, it's a nightmare. Like mm-hmm. you, you go from one to the next and it's like, what the heck just happened? Like, mm-hmm. I was just like seeing, uh, you know, yeah, Jim Broadbent, like try to get into a fight with an orderly at the nursing home. <laughs> yeah. And now I'm seeing like a bunch of clones being, you know, systematically, you know, killed yeah. and then turned into you know uh sustenance for each yeah. other like this is this took a weird turn right um i do also think if this was a mini series i think ultimately it would have done better i mean i don't know how do you measure a mini series in terms of financial success i'm not sure but i am very surprised that anybody let this movie be made <laughs> like this movie is um, with credits this movie is almost three hours yes and it has six intercutting storylines mm-hmm. it's rated r like how did they think this movie was going to make money this movie bombed yeah i mean the movie may have actually lost my i looking at the the information i have in front of me so it it made um 130.5 million at the box office but the budget was anywhere between 100 million and 146 million oh it's so, definitely because like I, i'm a little confused at times because they say like a movie has to make like one and a half times as budget but i've also heard like it actually is more like two and a half times now mm-hmm. uh, so like this movie definitely like lost warner brothers a lot of money um i don't know if it was like partially funded like the wachowskis were like let's use our matrix money to make this this maybe this was a passion project of theirs and which i in that case i'm like that you know bravo to them for being able to do that because uh so yeah i i have a little bit of information on that so um in in the four years it was developed um the producers had a really hard time getting finances for it um and so actually it was um like most of the funding was by independent sources so technically this is uh, an indie film um, yeah wow and it's, but, but like i it, yeah. it's it only makes sense because i could never imagine warner brothers being like yeah we'll sign off on this we'll fund this movie it's like there's i mean in that case it's like the fact that it made as much money that in fact that it made over a hundred million dollars is like kind of impressive <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's one of the most expensive indie movies of all time yeah um, but yeah i mean it it definitely had you know but i, I, I kind of feel like in 10 years later i don't know if you could find enough people to fund this movie because i think 
um, just the landscape has changed too much. Yeah. And, and once again, that's why I'm like so confident that this would become, this would have been a, a mini series had it come out. The only way now. I think a movie like this could have been made is if A24 came in and like, we're backing this movie. Maybe. I could see that, but I'd, I'd have an easier time seeing like HBO or like yeah. Apple coming in and saying, Hey, Oh, this would definitely be an Apple TV plus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Doesn't it feel like, <laughs> um, but John Hamm wasn't in it. Wasn't he? Yeah. Uh, if you, if you squint, he was in there. Um, no, it, I don't, I, I want to say that I like this movie. Right. I applaud um, it for how ambitious it is. Um, yeah. I liked it more the second time, but it's still like not going to be a movie that I buy ever. And it's not inspired me to read the book. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think ambitious is the best word to describe this. Um, because, yeah, you could it, also call it a beautiful mess. That is also fair. Um, and yeah, I think parts of it work really well. Uh, and sometimes the film gets its own way just because of the way they, you know, structure things or because some of the decisions with, you know, makeup casting, and casting. casting and yeah. so, um, um, yeah, I mean, definitely once again, my, my biggest thing is just like, it, it, it's so cringy and, you know, I think, you know, offensive, you know, yeah. some of what they do with the, the makeup, mm -hmm. um, and, and that's it's saying that that's like the one of the biggest takeaways for me because I think otherwise it's a very well made movie like yeah it I, is um yeah and I, and I think yeah it, it it seems like the Wachowskis really put their their heart and souls into it right. and so right of course and and Tom Tom T and Tom T, and Tom T. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, this is the this is the kind of movie that like those magazines like sight and sound and like the the french magazines uh for movies will be like best movie you know top whatever movie of the 20th centuries uh, <laughs> or 21st century like this 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 is those kind of movies they'll be like yeah you all the or like best sleeper hit or not sleeper hit move i i will say i i do like when movies play with like different eras and their connections like i've, I've mm -hmm. seen that you know before and i know you mentioned like kind of that uh very famous uh, historical example yeah um and so i think this works part of me that wonders... movie somehow made money though oh. there are there was a, a it was a myth that actually bombed but apparently like it's like no we made money and i'm like only people back then would have had patience for that kind of movie and, and, and silent. It's just like, if it's moving, I'll see it. Mm. <laughs> I no, I think maybe this would have also worked like if they just cut out one of the stories, probably. The I was going to say, which one, one do you think it was? <laughs> um, yeah. Although one thing I will say that I'm very happy the film didn't do that I feel like less confident filmmakers would do yeah. would be like, try to explain this like reincarnation process by like having um like in the first sequence um in the the 1800s have like jim stewart just like find a mystical artifact that like somehow like right transported his soul into the future right like, yeah well that's like, that's 
that's why some people got upset with the Donnie Darko uh, director's cut because the the regular cut like doesn't have any real explanation for events but then like director's cut like has like his whole journal or like this book that like explains everything and that angered a lot of people no i'm gonna come with a hot take i think either version of dying darko is trash it's a <laughs> terrible movie i i don't like that movie <laughs> okay that's fair uh no i, no, I just like it because i was gonna say i like it how they the maggie and jake gyllenhaal play brother and sister i like that part and how they, they I think get into, that's great yeah and they get into an argument about smurfs <laughs> okay, i forgot about that that's that's good um i don't i think overall that that movie just takes itself way too seriously right. um anyway that's neither here nor there this is not a donnie darko mm-hmm. podcast uh, not yet anyway but yeah, and before we kind of wrap up, though, I, I do want to just kind of frame this conversation about Cloud Atlas. Mm-hmm. Um, just overall with the Wachowskis um, kind of overall filmography, because, you know, they've been around for, for a while now. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, no, I, I don't think anyone would dispute that The Matrix is their most beloved mm-hmm. and best work. Um, um, well, I, I know some people have actually said their movie before that Bound is actually like even better but i haven't seen mm. it okay so maybe there's some debate um so you know i i do want to kind of get into like how you feel like this for you know ranks among their others although one thing i do want to just briefly mention that i think is a really cool um i don't know just like connection while we're talking movie all about mm-hmm. strange connections is that the the book cloud atlas was written by david mitchell mm-hmm. who then went on to um Oh crap, what was it? He then went on to, I think, co-write uh The Matrix Resurrections with uh Lana Wachowski. Right. Is that really yeah, I I knew he did stuff with Sense 8, I think. So I don't know if that's a weird connection. It's just like they uh, I guess he liked their movie. <laughs> yeah, but no, I, I think it's it's interesting to be like this is that art author um is not known like he he has no film credits other than that so he just he got into oh, you know the world of film because of you know i assume because he was so impressed with right work on cloud atlas and right. then i think just overall like i think the matrix resurrections has a, a lot of similar um a, a lot of similar points going on with like the idea of like um multiple lives and the connections between them that's true yeah, as far as movies from the Wachowskis that I've seen, I mean, The Matrix is still my favorite. Um, and then I would say that, okay, so so out of the ones I've seen, The Matrix is my favorite and the one that I think is the best. Um, it, I like The Matrix uh, Reloaded better than this movie, but I think that this movie is better than objectively better than uh the matrix reloaded okay Okay, from like an artistic standpoint i guess um but it it doesn't have keanu reeves fighting a bunch of hugo weavings so it loses some points in the fun factor (laughs) automatically And Um, and then like this so and then uh I know I I 
again, not an objectively good movie. Uh, Matrix, I mean, I would say Reload is an objectively good movie. I know a lot of people rag on it. Revolutions is not an objectively good movie, but I still enjoy parts of it. Um, I don't like Resurrections, but I do respect parts of the things that they were trying to do in it. Yeah. I, <laughs> Resurrections is another movie that could be described as a, an ambitious mess. And, and um, polarizing. Sure. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I'd say that from the movies I've seen from them and of course, no, we, we, weren't, we weren't counting V Vendetta. They only wrote it. Well, I was going to I was going to include that because okay. they did write and produce it. Uh, and technically, they were second unit directors. Okay. Um, so I I think I don't think it's as good as V for Vendetta. Um, it's been a while since I've seen that movie, but I remember. I mean, of course, it. Alan Moore hated the V for Vendetta movie. He hates everything that's made off of, you know, his work, though. I mean, he, he's he was angry because it very much transposed american politics onto what's supposed to be a british story but um, i mean I c- alan moore just hates everything so he does he he hates comic books <laughs> um, but uh no i i don't think it's quite as good as before vendetta but i i would put this above um reload and, and revolutions yeah um, yeah yeah but I, I i'm no i'm curious to, to hear about their or to see their other yeah, movies. Uh, I know um, that most people rag on Jupiter Ascending. I was say I don't necessarily feel like I need to see that one because I have heard very bad things about that. I mean, I, I've heard that the Eddie Redmayne performance is like so bad it's good. So, but yeah, that uh, that that. But like Speed Racer, like everyone's telling me, is like, yeah, I gotta watch it. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm here for uh, you know, some Speed Racer. It's got a matthew fox of lost in it yeah it's got um i think susan sarandon was in that movie too she is she's a spirit that's how they got her for this is like hey let's just do another movie together (laughs) no what whatever it takes um so yeah i i think i i'd like to see the wachowskis make more movies like this i think you know obviously they become so synonymous with the matrix and i think there is definitely a portion of fans who want lana to go and make another matrix movie mm-hmm. um i would argue that's a bad idea <laughs> just because i think what they did with the most recent one was experimental and, and fun even if it wasn't beloved by everyone mm-hmm. um but rather than keep going to that well I'll just kind of go on to other projects um mm-hmm. because i think when they when they go and they try new things, like, I don't, I, I don't think I've ever seen a film from them that was boring necessarily. I mean, parts of the Matrix Reloaded and Resur- or, uh, and um, Revolutions are boring. Certainly like the whole Colonel Sanders philosophizing is, is boring. Oh, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> okay. That, the, he doesn't have a Kentucky accent. I don't know why uh, I went Colonel Sanders. No, it's okay. He's, he, he does look like Colonel Sanders. Okay um yeah i don't know any like thoughts about like the legacy though like cloud atlas overall uh i think that it's just going to be a movie that some people are going to remember fondly i think there will be i think there will be a little bit of a critical reappraisal in like the next 2020 
in the next 10 to 15 years. I think by the mm. time it hits its 25th anniversary, there'll be, it'll sway in the most critics liking it, but it'll probably be like critics will like it and fans will still be um, divided. Yeah, no, I, I think that's fair. Can't it's it's very much that. like, I don't know, people, they look like a Steven Spielberg's War of the Worlds. Like some people really love that movie. But like, I feel like you talk to most people, they'll be like, yeah, I was like, why bother? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, don't, don't think I have anything to add to that. I think that's a pretty good nail in the coffin for this one. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so Aaron, thank you for giving me an excuse to finally watch this movie. I, I'm glad I watched it. Um, mm-hmm. Once again, it's been something I've been wanting to. Watch right. How many now. bathroom breaks do you take? I don't think any actually. Well, maybe one. Maybe one. Maybe one. Okay. I don't know. It was weird. I watching it on uh Tubi. Yeah, like, Tubi for free, but with ads, so it made even longer. Yeah, the ads were annoying. Um feel like I listened to a the stupid opera for uh JG Wetworth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, gosh, they're still making these. What yeah. the heck? uh i thought that was gone years ago mm-hmm. anyway so yeah but uh, thank you for joining me and aaron mm-hmm. as we wrap up um would you like to uh plug your socials and, and tell everyone if you have anything you're working on or you have worked right. on recently right um so i haven't worked on anything recently um it just kind of has to work with my schedule like um of course if i'm busy doing podcasts with you you know I just have to fit it in. Uh, I'm hopefully in the next couple of months, I'll have something to, to write about. Um, on Twitter, I'm at Aaron Sarnecki. I usually just talk about movies that I've watched. Uh, that movie that I was talking about uh, <laughs> where they threw flower in the face for Halloween, that was uh, Meet Me in St. Louis, which is like an old Judy Garland movie, which I watched. Oh, I've heard of that one. Um I also watched another Tom Hanks movie. And strangely, this is like only the second Tom Hanks movie we've talked about on our entire podcast. Oh, what was the first one we talked about? We talked about Toy Story. Oh, duh. Yeah, but um, I, I watched Sleepless in Seattle, which was just delightful. Oh, okay. um, and, and it's funny because his, his son tells him that he and Meg Ryan are meant for each other because... They knew each other in a past life and didn't get together. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, uh, oh yeah, but yeah, it's a fun movie. Uh, Meg Ryan's really funny in it. Uh, Tom Hanks is, you know, always dependable. Except, you know, I haven't seen the new Pinocchio, uh, so maybe that's not always true. Um, I also probably the only person who saw this movie called "See How They Run," which came out in theaters, was had Sorsa uh, Sorsha Ronan. Mm-hmm. And Sam Rockwell was sort of like a uh, homage to Agatha Christie, uh, but like instead of Knives Out, which everybody saw, nobody saw this movie. It's like already been pulled from theaters. Oh wow! That's but I thought it was fun. So like, if it's still out in your area, I would recommend it. Okay, and that was see how they run. Yeah. Okay. Apparently, people were not running to the theaters to see it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. But yeah, people should definitely 
yeah, check out your thoughts on those and other movies on Twitter and yeah, make sure to check out our most recent podcast for um, Anniversary Brothers. Um, last month, we talked about um, the 20th anniversary of Spirited Away, which was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And what else did we talk about last month? I'm blanking. What was our... Oh, uh, we talked about a snick, didn't we? Was that oh, was that? Time? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It all it all blurs together over time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But okay. So yeah, people definitely check those out. And then um, normally I'd plug my Twitter, but I haven't checked it in months, so I'm probably not even going to do that. But people should find me um, on the TV Break podcast with our. Uh, editor-in-chief bill and podcaster alex where each month we talk about the ins and outs of tv um we have a episode recording tomorrow so this will probably come out around the same time as that um where we're going to be talking about the new netflix um special that we thought was a tv show but it's actually a special intergalactic so uh i know alex is a little uh annoyed that they misrepresented what kind of program it is um but mm. if people want to hear our thoughts about that um you should definitely check out that podcast okay yeah <laughs> have you heard anything about that one nope okay it's it's an animated uh special by kid cuddy the rapper i thought it was is it cuddy or cutie it's cuddy it's oh, okay i don't know anything okay <laughs> that's that's fine um but yeah so if, if people want to hear our thoughts on that they should check out that podcast um, I admittedly haven't watched it yet, so I'm still, you know, in the, the dark about it, but hopefully I'll like it. Uh, but you can listen to that podcast to find out. So anyway, um, so, and people should also keep an eye out for our next podcast, um, in the pop break TV feed, where we are going to be talking about a, um, a show that I really enjoy with a special guest and Aaron has hinted that he's got some other contradictory feelings about it that I'm excited to hear about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So everyone, thank you so much for listening. Hope to have you back here next time. Um, But until then, remember, look after old Georgie. That's the true, true.